You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Wonderful, wonderful. Good morning. It is so good to be here. I really don't feel uh, like a guest preacher anymore. Um, I know this sounds like a bit, bit of a cliche, but it does feel like coming home. And I do enjoy being here. And although I always feel the pressure, I want to I wanna do well for you. I want to uh, bring something that helps your journey. I don't feel the pressure of, of sort of a visiting speaker. I just feel like I'm speaking to friends. And uh, I want to thank uh, pastors uh, uh, Martin and Esther again for their warm invitation, for the wonderful hospitality, and for the way you take care of me. So I really do appreciate it. It is an absolute honor and joy. It's not a hardship at all. It's a pure joy to do that. And that uh, wonderful to celebrate. Sue, 70. Come on. Don't look a day over 69, girl. You look amazing. So for your birthday, if you want any book that's on the table... You can have that. So just make sure you go to the table afterwards and uh, let her know you're not stealing one. Okay, you could have one. All right, so enjoy. You can pick any one you want. Have that for your birthday. And also for Rachel, congratulations. Amazing. And uh, we talked last time, uh, well, I I talked last time I was here about being the person God's made you to be. Fit in the box. Stay in the box God's made you. And it's an exciting thing. And I want to honor CLM for releasing Rachel, for sending her, not just letting her disappear out the door, which happens, uh, but actually saying, we're, we're, in one sense, we're losing an amazing gift from this church, but in another sense, we are releasing an incredible gift to the kingdom of God. And that is the spirit of this church and the spirit of the kingdom. And Rachel, you can have a book too. So just go and grab a book. So, uh, so that'll, you can have that as a present as well. Since the last time I was with you, I've brought out my new book, and uh, had seamless segue into that, wasn't it? Um, I brought out a new book, and it's called Beyond Broken, Finding Power in the Pain. I know some of you have already received this because you pre-ordered it, uh, and thank you so much for that. I, I would just say this. Um, the last four years have probably been the most challenging four years of my life. In that time, uh, I've, I've buried my father, uh, buried my brother. Uh, both deaths were unexpected and uh, lost two ministry positions, which have been quite challenging. And also uh, on my 50th birthday set in Crown Court, uh, hoping that my son would not go to jail. So uh, it's been a bit of a challenging journey. And here's what I've discovered, that sometimes God rescues us from the valley. And we say, amen, I know this church believes this. We believe this as Pentecostals. He comes and he delivers us from the valley. And then there are times when he delivers us through the valley. And I'm really sorry to tell you this, that's gonna happen occasionally. And there will be moments that he just steps up and you see the exit light flashing and he delivers you. And you have an amazing story to say, look what God did for me. But then there are moments when you're looking for the exit sign and it's just not there. But he is with you. His rod and his staff, they comfort you. And uh, Psalm 23, ironically, is a psalm It's often preached at funerals, and yet the word death is not present in the the original Hebrew. Uh, It should be really translated. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And actually, if you translate it like that, it makes total sense uh, in the context. That's that's what this book's about. Uh, If you want some encouragement in 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 the valley, want some encouragement in the pain, 
or you know someone who's in that situation, this book just might help. It's a bit raw, it's full on, it doesn't pull any punches, but hopefully it's filled with truth that will help you. Anyone like this book? Lady there right on the end, come out, out you come. She was ready, she knew what was coming next. <laughs> come on, well-trained Christian, you see, well-trained Christian. All right, they're there for you. If you I'm not here to sell books, but that's there for you uh, if you want them. Okay, if you have a Bible, can you grab and uh, look at Isaiah chapter 54? Can I, can I have my screen up, chaps? That would be, thank you. And uh, I want to speak this morning about the challenge of change. You've just had an amazing encounter weekend. I've been following some of that on social media and connecting with you, and it sounds like you had an amazing time. And then you've got your vision day coming up. Uh, in November. So that's going to be uh, stunning. And so in the, in the context of what you've just come out of and what you're going into, I just felt I wanted to bring this to encourage you on your journey. So it's Isaiah 54, and uh, we'll read from verses 1 to 5. If you don't have a Bible, just you can listen to me as I read or share with someone beside you. Okay. And it says this, Sing, O barren woman, you who never bore a child, burst into song, shout for joy, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your, uh, your tent curtains wide, do not hold back, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Do not be afraid, you will not suffer shame. Do not fear disgrace, you will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband, the Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called God of all uh, the earth. Now, this passage in its rightful context is really a picture of what the Lord God Almighty is going to do in the future. He's going to draw in uh, the Gentile community, the wider community outside of Israel, who uh, will be captivated by his message of hope and life. And so in the midst of exile, in the midst of challenge, God speaks to his own people, and he actually speaks beyond his own people, and he says, one day, uh, this woman will have more children than even the woman who has a husband. In other words, pointing to this great influx of Gentile believers. And in fact, that has literally happened. It's happening today. Today, in this 24-hour cycle, it's estimated that about 120,000 people will come to Jesus as their Lord and Savior for the very first time somewhere on the planet. Isn't that amazing? That today, there are more Christians alive on planet Earth right now than have lived in the history of the world up to this point. Isn't that an incredible idea? So there's a lot of us kicking around. And actually, Isaiah 54 is really talking about that. Now, I only say that to say this. That's not what I'm talking about today. But I wanted you to know that that's what it originally means. So I don't want to bypass the original meaning. And you and I today are part of this exciting bringing in of children into this extended tent. And you and I today are literally the fulfillment of Isaiah 54. 
But today I want to take that picture as an example of the need for change in order to position ourselves for the amazing thing God wants to do. You and I today are experiencing the blessing of that change, but in order to experience the blessing of change that's coming, we often have to make changes today, some of which make sense and some of which don't. And actually, I've discovered in my Christian ministry, in my walk as a human being, people get really nervous around change. They don't like change, or they resist change, or they've got a certain attitude to change. And yet, when we look at life, actually, change is nothing to be feared. In fact, I would say this. If we're going to fulfill the purpose of God for our lives as individuals, we're going to need to change. If we're going to fulfill the destiny that God has put on CLM, there's going to be some more changes down the road. Now, some of you have already experienced huge levels of change up to this point, but there's more coming. And we can either just accept that as an idea and roll with it, or we can spend our lives resisting change and potentially then miss out on what God wants to do. Whatever God is promising this woman, what she has to do to get to that promise is change. She has to change her mindset. She has to change her tent. She has to change her approach. She has to change the dimensions of the world in which she lives. She has to change her attitude. She's got to change her song. All of that has to happen if this incredible influx is going to take place. And so I want to encourage you, change is here to stay. And actually, if you and I will have the courage to step forward into the change God has for us, I believe the Lord can do incredible things in us and through us as we go forward. You see, change is natural. You know this. You are not the same today as you were five years ago. <laughs> okay, so even if you're fundamentally the same person, you're definitely not the same. Are you? No. Some of you have worked very hard this morning before you came out to church to cover up the things that have changed in the last five years, if you're honest. Yes, come on. Are you there? Change is absolutely natural. And we just should accept that. This is, this is my beginnings there. Look at that. That little baby there, that's me. Yeah. And you're, I know you're thinking, what happened to him? Uh, but that's me, that's my brother, that's my sister in the middle, my mom and dad, that's us, that's me coming into the world. But of course, it didn't stay like that. There we are again, another family picture. I'm the gorgeous little blonde in the middle. I know, it's just all downhill, isn't it? It's, it's, it's going from, and that's me in the middle. And, and, then, and then, of course, there's more change. This is the picture that caused most people to ask the question, was I adopted? Um, <laughs> So my mother's four foot 11 and my dad's not much taller. And I, at that stage, was six foot one. So people were suspecting maybe something untoward happened there in the background. So, but that's change. And of course, we keep changing, don't we? Uh, and here I am today with my youngest daughter, Beth Ann, of course, acting very maturely there, having a selfie taken. We're, we're changing. So actually, uh, you've just seen four pictures that shown that, that I've changed. And I'm pretty glad about that. Yes? So change is natural, but, but we resist it. We're, we're a little bit afraid of it. Let me say secondly, change is normal. It's normal to change. 
God has designed the world in that way so that it changes. And actually, in the church of Jesus Christ, change should be normal. Now, we're not changing for change's sake, but change is a normal aspect of the part of life that God has called us to, even in a spiritual world. But can I say this? Change may be normal, but growth is optional. So just because you're changing doesn't mean you're growing. Amen? Uh, there are people in this room, uh, and, and you, you're older. You're maybe, you're maybe in your 60s or 70s. And, and actually, that doesn't necessarily mean we're wiser. Does it? Now, Sue is. Sue's very, very wise. Uh, and she's given us the benefit of her wisdom. But actually, changing doesn't mean we're growing. And you and I have to be intentional around our growth. Here's an example of changing, not meaning growing. This is me uh, disgracing myself uh, in Stockholm. This is, this is where the Nobel Peace Prize is handed out. You know, when, when people go to get the Nobel Prizes, uh, this is the, the building in the background. And I just had a moment, and I, I just couldn't resist placing my hand on the buttock of that uh, statue. That shows I have changed, but not grown. Okay, so uh, I've tried to do that since. Yes? So, so change is normal, but growth is optional. Here's the third thing I want you to see. Change is necessary. Change is absolutely necessary. And no matter where you are on the journey, as an individual Christian follower of Jesus, or as part of this wonderful community of believers, we need to change. We need to keep changing, and we need to be open to the Holy Spirit who's going to help us to change so that we can become everything God wants us to be. This is uh, on the screen. That's a mobile phone. The first... A telephone call on a mobile phone was made by Martin Cooper in 1973, a Motorola phone. Uh, and uh, let, let me just read the dimensions of this phone to you. The prototype handheld phone used by Dr. Cooper weighed 1.1 kilograms. It measured 23 centimeters long, 13 centimeters deep, and 4.4 centimeters wide. So in other words, think of a brick. <laughs> the prototype offered a talk time of just 30 minutes and took 10 hours to charge. <laughs> Come on, people. Change is necessary. <laughs> Amen. And, and look at this. Look, look, this is mine. Wow. Same thing. That on that screen and that in my hand is the same thing. Now, who wants that? Put your hand up. Okay. One or two weird people in the room. Bless them. They probably want to have that actually sell it on eBay for a fortune. Um, or put your hand up if you want something like that. Okay. Now, now listen, listen. Wherever you stand on this, I'm glad about change. I'm glad that I don't have to carry a brick in my pocket, charge it overnight for 30 minutes conversation. Change is necessary. And it's not just necessary in the world of technology and in the world of business. It is necessary in the world of the church. And actually, as a Christian community, we should be world leaders in change. Our message stays absolutely the same 
But our way of methoding that message, communicating that message, and living out that message will always have to find different, uh, as it were, expressions and ways in our world. The way we do church, the way we've done church this morning is not the way I did church growing up. And I'm glad about that. Because we need to change. In order, we're not compromising the message. We're not changing Jesus. We're not cha- We've been singing about the unchangeable God. But even God, can I say this carefully, changed his methods in order to reach the world. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That's a change. God had never done that before. So actually, even the unchanging God can make changes in order to uh, accomplish his purposes. But of course, when it comes to change, there's always challenges. And I've been in Christian ministry 30 years, and my goodness, it has been one of the most challenging things to help people change. And also, it's been one of the most challenging things in my life to sort of keep open to change myself so that I don't reach a place of stagnation. So how can we help ourselves with the challenge of change? Well, from the passage in some wisdom, here's some things that are hopefully will help us. The challenge of change can be overcome when, first of all, we see something better. When you and I see something better, it will empower us to change. We'll call that, in Christian speak, we'll call that vision. That's why vision day coming up is so important. It's not just an exciting sort of calendar filler. It's a really important event and process in the life of this church to help us understand, here's what God has called us to. We see this, but in order to see it, it's going to mean we're all going to have to do a wee bit of adjusting and changing. We We can't have this and stay the way we are. And that's a broken idea. So you and I sort of intuitively know if we want something different to what we've got now, we've got to sort of behave differently to how we are now. I mean, that's an idea that even Fred out there, who's not a Christian, will accept. You, You can't get something different and stay the same. If I want something different, I'm going to have to make some adjustments in my world. And that's what's happening with this woman. The the Lord comes to her and gives her a glimpse of the future, which is amazing. He says, even though you're barren, even though you don't have any children, you are going to have more children than the woman who has a husband. Now, that's a vision. That's a God-given vision. That's something that's coming into my world and causing me to look beyond myself. And if I catch that vision, see that vision, the automatic question that comes next is, what do I need to do? How do I need to change? Now, God helps you with that, and we'll come to that in a moment. But vision is a powerful uh, issue. This gorgeous picture of this lady on the screen is of a lady who was instrumental in fundamentally changing, helping to change American society. Her name is Rosa Parks. At 42 years of age, Rosa Parks got onto a bus the 1st of December, 1955. She was a seamstress, and she had done a long day's work, climbed onto a bus that was full and packed. The only seats that were empty were seats reserved for white people. And she was a black person. But she sat down. She was tired. So she sat down on the bus 
and the bus driver eventually got so irritated at her, he stopped the bus and literally ordered her to move. She wouldn't move. She, she stood up by sitting down. She just stayed there. And so next thing, the police are on the bus. They arrest her. They take her off unceremoniously. Uh, a few days later, she is charged with the breach of a racial ordinance and fined 14 U.S. dollars, which in 1955 for a seamstress was a small fortune. Now, that should have been the end of it. But as a result of her vision, as a result of her willingness to take a stand and change, the Montgomery Bus Company experienced a boycott from people who were uh, not white. And so for 381 days, they were boycotted. It brought a very successful bus company to its knees. In fact, it bankrupted the Montgomery Bus Company. In November 1956, the Supreme Court of the USA ruled it is unlawful to segregate the races on a bus. It's unlawful. Now, now we don't hear a lot about Rosa Parks, uh, but actually her action was a vision-led action. She saw something greater than what she was experiencing, and she was prepared to take the stand and sit down doing it, if you know what I mean. And she changed her world. Why? Because an ordinary woman, 42 years of age, saw something. She saw something that motivated her to do something. People, if we want to change, we need to see something. That's why it's important to be here at Vision Day. That's why it's important to be part of the buildup of that. Because seeing where we're going will empower you to make the changes you need to make in order to make that happen. We're not just asking people to change for change's sake. We're asking them to change so that God can extend the tent and do something amazing. Are you with me? Come on. And here's what I've discovered about God's vision in my world and in my life. His vision for me will always be bigger than me. Now, if you're sitting there as a lovely Christian who loves Jesus and the plan you believe God has for you is only about you, let me just say this to you. It's not God. Overwhelmed by amens there. It's not God because that's too small. God's plan is never just about you. Oh, God's plan involves you. God's plan will make you feel like you're the center of that plan because he's amazing, he's generous, and he's good. But his plan is never just about me. He did not send Jesus to die on the cross just for me. He didn't just, he didn't just appear in my, my, my room as a 15-year-old boy just for me. His plan is always bigger than me. And actually, that's, that's why me and you need to be, as followers of Jesus, open to change. Because it's never just about me. It's always about people who haven't yet experienced this grace and this love and this goodness. It's about the people out there that are playing football and recovering from last night's uh, energetic uh, entertainments. It's about them, isn't it? It's never just about us. Second thing about God's plan, it always will always, always demand more than me. So here's what I've discovered. Here's what I think the Bible teaches. I can never fulfill the plan of God on my own. Yeah. 
whatever God's plan is for me, whatever my part is to play in the plan, I cannot do it on my own. I've discovered even to play my John Andrews bit, I need people around me to help me play that bit. The idea that I can just zone in, forget about all of you, and just concentrate on me is not a biblical idea. So actually, part of our change is recognizing, number one, the plan's always going to be bigger than us. Number two, the plan is always going to mean it's bigger than anything I can do on my own. It's always going to mean I'm going to have to engage with the community. I think vision helps us change because we see something. And here's what we say. What we're seeing is so good. It's worth the discomfort of the change we're experiencing. It's worth the change because of what we see. Are you with me? Okay. Here's the second thing I think helps us with change. We become discontent with now. We'll use the word there, urgency. So we get a vision of something better, but then if we can add to that a sense of discontent, now we we'll need to be careful with that word, but discontent with where we are. Or I prefer the word urgency. A sense of urgency that says, uh, we, as we look at the situation we're in, we need to change. We need to do something. We need to, to make a change going forward. That's in a sense what God's doing to this woman. He's saying to her, sing, shout, Proclaim, I need you to do something now. Even though you've accepted the situation you're in, I need you to become a bit discontent with that situation so that you can open up the possibility that I can do something amazing in you. And actually, he's encouraging her to change her confession and to change her thinking so that she doesn't just accept the situation she's in, but she becomes, there's an urgency, a discontent in her that says, I don't want this. I want something more. Now imagine if those two things collide. If the vision of what God wants for us and a discontent with where we are start to collide, you've got real engine room for change. And many people never change because they never become urgent enough. I, I used to work in a school. And uh, in between leaving my first church and going to my second church, we sort of pioneered and then we went to, on to a church to repurpose. I had a few months where, where I was literally just, I needed to do something. So I got a part-time job, worked in a school, was a special needs assistant, absolutely loved it. One of the classes we went into was a science class, last two periods on a Thursday. And the kids that I was shadowing were on the spectrum, but we were trying to keep them in mainstream education. So at times, there, there were some challenges around attitude and behavior and just general engagement with the class. So you can imagine, last two periods, Thursday, science. Who put the timetable together? It's just a recipe for disaster. What added to that was the, the, the science teacher didn't like the kids very much. And so he would literally just tell them to open up their books, read stuff, and then he would go. Me and him ended up falling out a little bit, it has to be said. Um, but but that's, that's generally what happened. And I remember him sticking on a DVD about smoking. And so he put this DVD on, the, the, you know, the, the dangers of smoking, what it's going to do to you, how it's going to kill you, you know, 50 ways you're going to die if you smoke sort of thing, DVD. It was like triple X rated. It was horrific. 
I mean, I'm an adult sitting there, and I've, I've never really smoked in my life, and I'm terrified. You know, I'm looking at this thinking, my goodness, I've breathed in passive smoke. Will this happen to me? It's that sort of thing. As I look around the class, the kids are all messing around. In fact, some of the kids in the smoking DVD have pulled out their cigarettes and have them in their mouth. They don't light up. Well, at least that was good of them. They don't light up, but they've got their cigarettes out, and they're sort of, you know, uh, showing me I, I really don't care about this. And it was amazing to watch 14, 15-year-olds uh, look at a DVD that was truly horrific. I won't even go into the details of it uh, and just be blasé about it. Because when you're 14 and 15, you're immortal, even if you smoke 20 a day. I was at a church last year, met a lady who before becoming a Christian smoked 40 cigarettes a day from her sort of early 20s. So a serious smoker went to the doctor because her hands were going numb. Doctor said to her, oh, well, that's because you're smoking. She walked out of the doctor's surgery, quit. Went from 40 cigarettes a day to none. I said to her, how did you do that? And I expect her to say, you know, the power of the Holy Spirit. He said, he said, this was going to get worse. See, suddenly it moves from a DVD to a living experience. It went from, that'll never happen to me. My granny smoked 900 cigarettes a day, you know, and she's now 540, and she's in great health. There's always an exception to the rule. But actually, when that woman walked into the doctor's surgery and couldn't feel her fingers, got her attention. She went from blasé to urgent. See, if we never become discontent with where we are, we'll never see the need for change. And there are two great enemies of, of discontentment, two great enemies of urgency, if I could kind of say this. Uh, the first enemy is this. It's denial. Denial is the enemy. So denial says, that'll never happen to me. Denial says, I don't need to change. Denial says, I'm fine. And, over, and I've experienced this over and over again in Christian ministry, the amount of people I've sat with who really do need to change, but they keep telling me everything's fine. Uh, to which I respond, well, if everything's fine, why are you telling me? Why are you here in my office? It's clearly not fine. It, it's just, what, what they mean is, it's not quite urgent enough for them to make the change. But can I say this, and I think this, is, this maybe is the challenge to us here at CLM, it's not just denial is an enemy of urgency, but, but good times are an enemy of urgency. Jim Collins said, good is the enemy of great. Many people don't want to change because here's what they say. Hey, it's good here. This is great. Pastor Martin, why, why, why do we have to think about like, expanding? This is cool. This is great. I'm loving this. I've just got myself in a groove, just got myself settled, and now you're, you're doing some more stuff. Why don't you just relax a bit? Because this is great here. And it's one of the great challenges. Why should we change when it's so good? Ever heard the maxim, if it's not broken? That's not in the Bible. That's on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or your granny's fridge magnet, but it's not in the Bible. Why wait for something to break before you fix it? Why not improve it when it's good? Why not say, this rocks. Could we make it rockier? This is great. Could we make it even greater? 
Could we make it even better? And that's what we're talking about. That's what God wants. This woman has a decent life. She hasn't got a bad life. But God wants to give her something greater. Does that make sense? And here's the last thing, really quickly. Vision, urgency, and then last thing. We'll just call this step-by-step, a plan. Actually, I've found this over and over again that one of the things people need once they get a vision for something and a wee bit of discontent or urgency in their current context, they sort of need help to take the next step. What do I need to do next? That's what vision day is about. It's about saying, here's what we're going to do next. Here's the next step. And if me and you will take the next step, and then after that, take the next step, and then take the next step, do you know what? We will have moved a long way by the time we check ourselves out this time next year. And actually, some of the greatest changes aren't made in big leaps. They're just made in incremental steps. You just take a step, right? We want to go from here to there. Let's take a step. This picture on the screen is my friend David Harvey. David and I used to work together in the Bible College. He's a fantastic teacher. And he's running there the Five Peaks Challenge in Alberta, Canada. Last weekend, he ran just over, well, he ran a half marathon in just over two hours, which is pretty good considering he also did a 2,500 foot climb in the process. So he was running uphill, hence this is not a fun run, okay? My goodness, this is, this is a challenge. Now, why have I put David on there? Because when I first met David in May 2015, he had never run the length of himself. <laughs> David didn't really enjoy sport. He was, you know, he was sporty, but he didn't really enjoy sport all that much. He had never really run. And in fact, in May 2015, I remember him taking on the Couch to 5K Challenge. It's a little workout app you can get in the app store if you have a smartphone, not a Motorola 1973. Don't try to download it on that, it won't work. And he downloaded Couch to 5K and started taking little steps. And last weekend, he did a half marathon up five peaks in Canada, to which I would say, why, David? Why would you do that on a perfectly beautiful day? Yes? See, the challenge for all of us is this. When it comes to change, we want to move from here to there, but, but many of us just don't know how do we do that. Well, there's a fantastic leadership team in this church that wants to help scope out that course. But, but here's what's going to happen. They're going to ask you to take steps, and you'll go, ooh, ooh, I'm not sure I want to do that. Not sure I need to do that. Not sure I like doing that. But actually, it's all part of getting to the place God wants us to go. Here's what God says to the woman. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch. Strengthen. In other words, she has to make stepped changes before the babies come. She's not even pregnant at this moment. It's just a promise. And yet she's being asked to make these steps. God says, okay, first step, enlarge your tent. Second step, strengthen the stakes. Third step, And on we go. And he gives her literal steps to take. And if she will just take the steps that look a bit weird to the onlooker, but if she's prepared to take that steps, then God is prepared to fill her tent. Amen? Come on, are you with me? And so it looks something like this. Vision plus a sense of urgency plus a simple plan. 
for most people, will be the framework of great change. That's what we're seeing in Isaiah 54, a vision of something better, a sense of discontent with where she is now, and a step-by-step plan to build a bigger tent. And just by giving herself to those three things, the woman starts to change. But there's one last wee thing I'm going to leave you with is this. All of that has to be greater than the cost. And many, many people, in my experience, struggle with change because of the cost of change. What will this cost me? And many people back off couch to 5K, not because it's too difficult, but because of the cost. Many people back off applying for that new job, not because they don't really want it, but because it's going to mean a five grand a year pay cut even though it's a better job for them. Not prepared to pay that cost. And most people in my world have backed away from change really because of cost. But, but they often ask this question, what will be the cost of changing? That's a good question. What will be the cost of changing? And actually, we have to weigh that up. And the leadership of this church are, are weighing up Literally, sometimes financially, but physically, emotionally, and spiritually, the cost of this journey. We're, we're trying to help you grab the cost so that you can pay that cost. But let me ask you, I think, a better question when it comes to this. What will be the cost of not changing? Apple are about to bring out number eight. They don't really need to. Seven's cool. I've got a six. Six rocks. Seriously. I, 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 you know, I, I saw the advert for eight and I thought, why? We don't need eight. Uh, six is good. Seven's good. It's, but, but what are they doing? They're constantly innovating towards a vision. Constantly innovating towards something because they want to produce something that will make our lives significantly easier while also giving them lots of profits at the same time. What's the cost of not changing? Imagine if in 1973 someone had said, hey, that Motorola rocks, let's not change it. The cost of not changing is huge. The problem with that is we don't know fully what that looks like. Imagine if the woman had not extended her tent. Metaphorically, at least, the Gentiles would not have been swept in. We're here today because there was a, an openness and an attitude towards change. And actually, in the journey that God has for CLM, there's going to be more change. Some of you met with God last week. And if that encounter doesn't lead to change, it will be a memory in a month. And we're going to have Vision Day in November. If, if, if Vision Day doesn't lead to change, it just becomes a really cool statement on a website. But if those experiences can lead to change, it literally positions us to do something truly amazing. I'm going to ask the, the band, will you just come and, and join me? And, and, and I want to pray for you. I, I believe this church is in a crucial season. And I 
felt very, very strongly to bring this today uh, after having spoken to Martin in, in terms of where you are at. And, and I, want to, I want to pray and believe that God will give this community such an openness to change, His change, not just change for change's sake, not just silly stuff. We're not talking about silly stuff here. We're talking about change in pursuit of vision. We're talking about looking at what's really good already and saying, this could be better. We're talking about, I will take the step forward. And, and, and I want to pray for you. I want to pray for this community. God will bring such a, an openness, a courage, faith around change that actually, as we see the vision scoped out, you and I will rise to it. Like this woman, we will enlarge, we will extend, we will strengthen. We will do whatever needs to be done so that God can do what He wants to do. Because that's ultimately, that's the greatest and ultimate reason for change. Is that we say to Him, have your way. Haven't we been singing it earlier on? Lord, I surrender to you. Well, surrender always, always, without exception, means change. Why don't you stand with me and let me pray for you. I believe this is the word just to encourage you as a church. It may also just speak to an individual as well. But wherever you sit, wherever you stand on this journey, I guarantee you this. If you're serious about following Jesus, it means change. If you're serious about being a follower of Jesus, it means change. If you're serious about being part of this community in the next year, three years, five years, and ten years, then this community as you see it now will not be recognizable in five years' time. It will have changed. And we can either be part of that journey or we can miss that journey. We can either contribute into that journey or, or just let it, let it roll over our heads. And I want to pray for the leadership of this church right now that they will be open and sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit that may ask them to do things that even in the midst of good will mean change so that we step forward into great. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this wonderful church. I thank you, Lord, that you made changes in order to save us, that you stepped into human flesh, the unchanging God, and made changes in your own form in order to save the world. Lord, we pray that that spirit, that attitude will be in us that we will be men and women who have the courage to open up our eyes to a greater vision, a vision beyond ourselves, that we will have, Lord God, the faith to grab the urgency of the moment, that we won't wait until something breaks, but, Lord, we will improve what is already good. And, Holy Spirit, I pray that you will help us by faith to take just the very next step, just to take the next step by faith and say to you, we are willing to change. We are willing to do whatever you want us to do so that your kingdom can come and your will will be done. So Lord, I pray that as the woman sang, we will sing. 
As the woman confessed, we will confess. As the woman enlarged her tent, so we will enlarge our hearts and even maybe literally enlarge our tents so that we will make room for you and allow your kingdom to come and your will be done in us. So Lord, I pray with your grace and mercy, may the spirit of holy change be on this place. May the leaders of this house have boldness and confidence in the things that you are telling them to do. And Lord, may there be a receptivity from every man, woman, boy and girl that as we step forward in your purposes, we will exalt your name. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.